Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Baseball show is presented by BetMGM on Monday, August 7th. Use promo code JUSTBASEBALL and start betting with the King of Sportsbooks. Programming note, no Walker Bueller. He was a little bit under the weather on Sunday night, so we're going to talk to him uh, again as an additional bonus episode, the JBXWB. You guys seem to like that, so uh, we'll do it for the second week in a row. So no Walker today. Instead, we're going to talk about the streakiness of each wild card race. It feels like teams are starting to separate themselves and you've got teams that are on four game win streaks, five game win streaks. You've got teams that are on five and six game losing streaks. So is this where we start to see the true wild card front runners, you know, take command of those spots and we start to lose some of that murkiness. And then we got to talk about Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. Uh, obviously there, there might be a, some more layers to it, but one grown man got his shit rocked by another grown man, and it was kind of funny on Saturday night. Aram, world traveler, how was the Reds game on uh, Saturday? Dude, Saturday Reds game. It, dude, it was like, I'm glad we're talking about the wild card after I just like took in a Reds game because there's several teams you talked about as like the cream's kind of rising to the top here where some teams look like they're dead in the water. And obviously there's a lot of season left and they'll shake out of it. But just in terms of like in a vacuum right now, there's a couple of teams out there that look like they are in big trouble and you could just feel it at the Reds game. So I'll start with the game was fun. Uh, you know, of course met our guy, Clay Snowden, who's been doing stuff with us for a long time. I've been friends with him now for a long time, uh, but never met him in person, Florida, Kentucky, New York, Kentucky, not that close. So that was fun. Got to check off great American ballpark along with, with my girlfriend, Ellie. And that brings me to 25 stadiums now. 
So what's and left? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if people like know this, like the whole backstory, but like real quick, not to take us too far off. I promise we'll talk about all the things we talked about. But my dad and I, when we were when I was born, like like six years into it, like literally I'm like six years old. And my dad's like, the, the day you were born, I always like came up with the idea. I want to go to all 30 baseball stadiums. With you. I was like, all right, cool. So once I was like old enough to remember it, we started doing it. So probably right around like age nine um, and, and started going from there. And uh, we got to like we were kind of slow with it because I had summer ball. So we got to 19 um, and he unfortunately suddenly passed away my freshman year of college. So my buddies and I kind of said, like, let's set out and finish it. So I've been finishing it through the years, some through covering baseball, some with friends, some just like trying to fit it in on a trip. And this was one step closer. So I got a handful more. I got Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Kansas City, Dallas, I guess Arlington. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's that's it. I don't think I have another one. Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting like one or that's it. But either way. Oh, Cleveland. 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 That's it. So I'm excited to finish that. It'll be pretty cool. You know, it's something that keeps me connected to my dad. And, you know, Cincinnati is probably middle of the pack. Cool stadium, middle of the pack so far. You know, they do a good job with the upkeep of it. Like, it's a very clean ballpark. It's a nice ballpark, and it feels very manageable. Um, Like, I I don't know. And the ballpark area is really nice. And and they've got a good ballpark neighborhood, I think. And, And I love that concept. I love that you're doing it. Uh, you've got the Midwest to check off. Um, you're trying to avoid doing it with me and that's fine. Like I get it. You make sure that I get out of Indiana before you, I was going to say, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to take the big league job on a, on a coast. And then I'm going to hit the Midwest and and knock out the rest of those stadiums there. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So if I, Hey, fingers crossed. If I do get one of those jobs in the Midwest, just don't come for like 10 years. (laughs) No, no, just leave those. Yeah. I'll leave those. Just leave it. Um, no, man, but that's just so freaking cool. And I, I'm glad that you're doing yeah. that. And I'm glad you got to link with Clay because Clay is the man and he does great work yeah. for us uh, on the written side. Um, in Cleveland, one of those ballparks that you haven't been to, you could have gotten a look at Paul Diaz 2.0 a little bit earlier uh, than that. And uh, J-Ram Paul rocked Tim Anderson. Yeah. That whole sequence was fascinating, man. And we're going to get into, you know, like, the the more human side of this in a moment, but just like from the survey look, it was Tim Anderson, like, you know, obviously baiting with the Gabriel Arias stuff a little bit earlier in the game and apparently previous games. And I'm sure like, hey, division rival, you've got some of that, you know, just like grudge held between the best player on the Guardians and for a while, the best player on the Chicago White Sox. And they squared up, like legit squared up. <laughs> Tim Anderson threw yeah. the glove and was like, okay, let's go, hands up. And it took two swings and J-Ram knocked T.A. And T.A. was dizzy walking off the field. I mean, that was that was like the best baseball, and I say best, that was the biggest baseball fight since Bautista and Rugnet Odor. Yeah, yeah, and that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, of course, when it, when he got like blows going, like, you know, on a field, kids are watching all that stuff. Like, of course, I don't think about that in the moment. Of course, you think about it after in the moment I was in my living room, like it takes a lot to get me like that. But I was like, oh my gosh, like I got jumped out of the couch and I was like jogging in place. Like no way that just happened. And then you like process it all. And there's like so many layers to it. But the, the first place my my mind went was how did we get here? Like you kind of said, and you could see the the moment in that snippet of just how that could be a little bit annoying to J Ram, but it just seemed like such a 
big leap to get from that moment specifically to, you know, you're squaring up like in your stance, you know, trying to throw blows. That was obviously the the culmination of like, I feel like a lot of things before you talked about something with Arius. I bet you it's things that have gone back different series, different years, kind of death by a million paper cuts type of thing, because J-Ram is such a level-headed dude. And it wasn't that moment in isolation, I feel like, that got J-Ram going. There was conversations they've probably had in the clubhouse of, yeah, TA's doing it to us again or whatever. You know, a rivalry where the the black, the butt, the jeez, I can't speak. The blood kind of just boils over. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened. I, I total speculation, but then you hear J-Ram's comments that are like, Dude. oh, uh, he's been disrespecting the game for a while. J-Ram's not one of those hardo, like, you know, do the right thing, like play the game the right way kind of guy. Bumgarner or Josh Donaldson. No, to yeah. me, that comes off a little differently. That's like that guy's been disrespecting us for a minute and and I'm not here for it anymore. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I found really fascinating about the whole situation was neither of those guys is Rugnet Odor. Like this is the face of the franchise on this side yep. against the face of the franchise on this side. So this was team leader against obviously a pretty fractured clubhouse, but you know, I guess you would view him as the leader of the White Sox in Tim Anderson. So I found that really interesting. And I thought that J-Ram, there's no such thing as a good spot for a fight like that. But I thought J-Ram picked a spot and nailed it with, with that. Yeah. I mean, his comments post game, yeah, literally nailed it, but uh, metaphorically too. And I think J-Ram's comments post game that you just alluded to were fascinating because he wasn't like, yeah, you know, he got, you know, my head got a little too big, anything like that. It was, it was, I stand by what I did. Like I deserve the right to rock the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, oh yeah, I got pissed off in the moment, blah, blah, blah. It was like, no, this needed to be done kind yeah. of thing and happy i did it and how about tito yeah. right yeah. when they asked would you think of j ram's left hook and he corrected and said right hook right hook like, he was tito wasn't he like, didn't yeah, say that can't happen he didn't say that can't happen he said it's not funny he said it was like you know an unfortunate thing but there wasn't really a, a a statement from tito that was like that is an inexcusable thing you don't want like that cannot happen like, it that wasn't really what was said so to me it was like th- th- this was almost like something that they felt like had to happen, which on the flip side of it too, you know, it's tough to see Tim Anderson like this. And like, we'll get into the the tweets and stuff too, because I think that showed a guy that's, you know, definitely not in the best spot ever right now. Um, Anytime, anytime you're firing off 13 unresp, like even if you're in an okay state mentally, if you're firing off 13 straight tweets, like something's going on, uh, you're dealing with something. But beyond that, it was like, I think T.A., there's there we always were saying there's so much more to his struggles this guy's way too talented to be struggling the way he is on the field uh it's not like he's 34 he's 30 and and a guy that you know, really just relied on his ability to hit he's a great athlete but it's not like he's some freak like John Carlos Stanton that like as he gets over 30 you could slow I down call like, him a freak athlete anymore Stanton no but yeah, no, not anymore. You saw that and saw him jogging around third. But uh, yeah, I I think something's really up with TA. And I think he, in, in his attitude and the way he was playing, you know, I think he was almost trying to piss them off. Like, I think he's just a, a miserable guy on the field right now. Like, that's kind of how I took it. It's like, this guy doesn't want to be out there really right now. And he's just pissed off and unhappy. Like, he's just not having it. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to say that that embodies the White Sox season because while it has been a frustrating season, it hasn't been like out-of-body experience, pissed-off type season. You know, there's no baseball season that pushes you to that point where you have to be miserable on a day-to-day basis. But obviously there's something, you know, bigger going on with him, right, when he goes on that Twitter rampage. And, you know, if you don't know about the -the off-the-field stuff, go ahead and Google. We're not going to talk about that here. Like, there's just – I feel like this guy is kind of – living a tough day to day right now, yeah, especially no. being on a bad team. There's, there's been a lot of opinions hurled his way about him and his life and the way he on exists, the field, not just the way he plays, but like also yeah. there have been opinions thrown at him about the way he exists off the field too. Yeah. And that has to be exhausting to constantly. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the, the Jackie situation with Donaldson, like, you know, I, I can guarantee you that, that, was not a settling experience. You know, it wasn't just a one day thing and he's over it. Like there's follow-up questions. There's people talking about it. There's a, what did what did Tim Anderson do to deserve that? Like, that's going to be a perspective of it, even though it's unfair. Like there's just more conversation around you. And I feel like Tim Anderson has not been able to escape the conversation around him now for years, not a year, like years dating back to, to that moment, dating back to the off the field, like whether it's true or not, or whatever it is, like still being discussed, still your life being, you know, a focal point for other people. And then the struggles on the field, all of the chaos, just with the white Sox in general. And, and now all the things that are happening now, like this guy's got to be just tired, man. And, and it's tough to see. That's the human side where it's like, yeah, like that was a hilarious fight. And like a, two grown men fighting on a baseball field is, is just objectively funny. They're playing a kid's game and fighting. Right. Uh, but then you think about it after and you're like, this guy's going through it. If he's like wanted to square up on the field right now and you start to backtrack and you're like, this guy's been through a lot of things, some self-inflicted, some not, but he's been through a lot over the last year plus two well, years. And, yeah. And I mean, think about like, I'm sure you've talked to people that hate Tim. And like they use the word mm-hmm. hate in regards to Tim Anderson. He's a polarizing player. And, you know, I'm to the point where like, I hear it enough from the old guard of baseball fan. I hear it enough from, you know, even like younger people that really enjoy the game of baseball that, you know, say like, Oh, I hate Tim Anderson. I think that guy's a jackass. That has to be so tiring. If yeah. you're Ander- it's tiring for me to hear it. And I'm like, well, I like well, the guy. And so- the, the counter argument would be, will be less flashy, but being flashy is also why that other large facet of people absolutely adore him and why he has, you know, large brand deals and things like that relative to a lot of other players of his ability. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm just interested to see how it all goes. This is, we're talking about a club option for what? 14 million next year. Yeah. You imagine that the White Sox, pretty much have to pick it up no matter how bad things go. I but I, I just find it interesting that like this guy on the other side of this, the second half starts really playing well. You, you see this best stretch he's had in a long time. I know it was only 10 games, but it was a nice stretch. And then, you know, these frustrations boil over. I really do think it's 80 to 90% mental for him right now in terms of the baseball struggles. I, I don't think it's that much performance-based. If there's anyone that would have benefited by the new rules, it's him. Uh, It's not a year that you would expect him having the worst year of his career by a good margin. Yeah. So this was, you know, it's a loaded conversation about Tim Anderson. It's a loaded conversation about Jose Ramirez, about the situation in general. The two things that are just objectively funny uh, are Tom Hamilton's radio call that the Guardians radio announcer. They're fighting. And then down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. It was like very funny. Uh, And then Eloy Jimenez limping away from the fight 
was objectively fun. That <laughs> Dude, guy's made you can't make that up. You cannot make that up. You can't make up that man limping away from the fight. Like somehow found a way to get hurt in that situation. It's Dude, just, it never I mean, fails. It's not even glass. Like I think glass is stronger than this guy. Is, no. it, is it toothpicks well, and rubber bands? What's going on? Speaking of, dude, Jazz Chisholm, like he comes back, he hits like two home runs in three games, gets like hurt in both of them. And now he he's dealing with they said a hamstring cramp, but it's like that dude too. Yeah, I think he's in Eloy territory. How about Rodon? <laughs> Where's Rodon yeah, in this geez. conversation? Hamstring tight. Yeah, pitchers will give the benefit of the doubt. Pitchers will just be like, you know, it's different. When it's like a position player that it's like leg, hip, shoulder, head, knee, like it's every single body part. Like some guys are just it's anatomy. Other guys, I'm like are they doing everything they need to do to like actually maintain their body and, and, you know, try to preserve their health. We talked to Walker, like he does everything in his power to stay healthy and, and circumstances have been unfortunate for him. But if he didn't, he probably isn't even throwing a baseball anymore right now. Like he doesn't even have a chance. So like most of these guys, even the ones that are hurt a lot do a ton to not be hurt as much as they are. By the way, did you see Walker throwing a pen in San Diego with John Rahm standing in the world number one in golf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sick. We got to ask him about that. Yeah, we got to talk about that. So what a life! I mean, just hilarious. But like that guy has dealt with the same injury twice, and we know how hard he works. We know how smart that guy is, and and how much he wants to learn about his body in terms of you know preventative, but also build up again. And I mean, like. Walker Bueller and Eloy Jimenez could not be more different in that regard. We're like, Eloy, so there's, there's a level that's just out of your control. Yeah, man. Like Walker, the situation is beyond his control and like, you know, surgically repaired UCL lasted what, seven years, eight years. Like Eloy, it's hamstring, calf, pec, shoulder. Like you can play operation. You just got to wonder. Jimenez. You got to wonder, like, is there, things that you can do that are preventative when it's all of those different body parts. And I'll leave that up to interpretation of the listener. I, yeah. I think that's an open conversation you can have. For sure. Um, all right. We're going to jump into wild card. We're going to start with the sliders and then we're going to start with, or we're going to finish with the gainers. But first uh, baseball card market is heating up during the second half of the season. Uh, and so is the card market. The only place to search for cards is alt.xyz, alt.xyz. Alt is the only platform on the interweb that allows you to search all the major marketplaces and eBay at once. Just download the free Alt app, type a player or their card into the search bar, and Alt is going to return every graded card available for sale. Even better, you save your search. You can get notified every time that card is available. You'll never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. Just baseball strives to be one-stop shopping for baseball coverage. Alt is your one-stop shopping uh, for card buying and selling. You picked up an interesting card at the National, and you now have a community tracking a certain pitching prospect because you have a rare card. <laughs> yeah, I, I told that story. Um, when did I, I'm trying to remember. Was, was that on the call-up or on this show? On I don't call-up. remember now. I think it was on Yeah, the so super fun. But yeah, we I met some listeners of just baseball podcast. We we decided to split a box together, rip something. We got, we pulled a Noah Schultz out of five. So uh, that guy's, that guy's good. I was, cause at first you see a picture, you're like, oh no. And then on it, you could pull the alt at app out, literally go see what similar cards have sold for. Unfortunately, there were no comps for a card. There's only five of, yeah. um, but pictures are usually worth less. So 
unless they're really good, they can be worth more. And this one was worth more. Uh, you could check out just comparisons of his regular cards, other numbers on alts. It's just a perfect example of that. And we realized, hey, we might have something good here. So we're holding it and we will decide as a as a team here uh, when we're going to move the Noah Schultz card. But for okay. now, for Shuddy the other day, I think nine Ks, he's six, nine lefty with the White Sox. We're going to hold for a little bit. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to ride this out. I, and he's turning into a, a pretty special arm. Already top 100 arm, top 100 prospect. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. He's the next Chris Sale. Uh, I, I stand by that. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Uh, all right, let's do sliders. Let's start with the NL. The Reds, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, and the Mets are the four teams that I want to highlight here. We're going to start with the Mets because I think this is a very quick conversation. Mets have dropped six in a row. They are done. Seven and a half yes. out of the wild card spot. They sold. They're done. Yeah, no, it's very simple. Um, they did well. We talked about it in terms of what they added. Um, Ryan Finkelstein had a great tweet. He said, I think SNY should just air the the – Binghamton games from now on and that they'll probably do better uh and I don't I don't think they're wrong I they've had some good performances already from Drew Gilbert Ryan Clifford uh Mauricio hopefully starting to get rolling again like they've, they've got good performances from the new guys I see Clifford hit an 110 mile an hour homer in his first game yep. in the Mets or did yeah you? first game in the Mets system 110 come on now all right Cincinnati has lost six in a row they're 59 and 55 they're currently uh, tied with the Cubs right now. The Cubs, I guess, have a tiebreaker or it's run differential, uh, and the Cubs are on the inside. We're going to talk about the Cubs, but the Cincinnati Reds have relinquished that spot. Yep, they ran out of magic, man. Like I, I just think this is the roster and the youth catching up to them, and it was so much fun while it lasted. And I'm really excited to see Lion Richardson throw for them consistently oh. if he does get that opportunity because he throws so freaking hard. But dude, like. This isn't the Reds' year, and I, I think, you know, now it doesn't even look like they're going to sneak into a bad National League wildcard race. Yeah, you know, I think what we kind of – and we're, this will be the theme of the podcast, I think, in the second half is you, the second half of the season, you don't have a ton of pitching. It starts to really rear its head in August. You like – some teams defy the – they don't have pitching. How are they doing this? And then you get to July, August – and those teams start to come down to earth. And I mean, look, we were shocked at what the Reds were doing with their limited pitching, with the way that their rookies were performing. I think that's a huge part of it, too. You have Ellie De La Cruz playing out of his mind, you know, playing like a superstar. And then, of course, understandably, he comes down to earth like so many rookies do with League, his profile. And he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's going to be fine. He's But he has to learn. Your best player can't be learning on the job. You know, it's just not you can't you can't succeed that way. Um, and that's the reality. He's been pretty much their best player. Christian Encarnacion Strand, they're expecting a lot of him. Joey Votto, while it's fun to see him going deep, like he's still a shell of himself, and that's a guy getting a lot of at bats. It's a team in a tough spot. What I will say is the one glimmer of hope they have. You get Hunter Green back, hopefully, at the end of this month. That's the plan. You get Nicodolo back at the end of this month. It might be too little too late at that point, but at least you have a glimmer of hope to lean on there. Yeah. But I mean, look at the pitching staff. It was never going to happen with that staff, especially when we knew Adolo and Green were going to be out for a while. Fun story, but it's never going to happen like that. Yeah, no, I mean, you had Luke Weaver like with a horseshoe up his ass, I guess. I mean, the game log where the Reds won was ridiculous. Like, I don't think there was a quality start in which he, he like started and the Reds kept on winning games that he started. So, you know, you can only ride that for so long in a baseball season. And I think the reason we love baseball is 
Shit normalizes, man. Over 162, like nobody really gets lucky over 162. You either press all the right buttons like the Giants in 2021 or you're really talented. And that's how you get into the postseason. And I think the Giants in 21 were were a little bit of both. The Marlins and the Diamondbacks, the other two teams in the National League that I want to highlight here. Let's start with the Marlins, losers of four in a row, seven of ten. I mean, there there were pieces with the Miami Marlins that looked indestructible while they were hot. And honestly, I immediately go to the bullpen. Um, and AJ Puck is like the poster boy for me. Yeah. Because yeah. Puck was unbelievable pre-All-Star break. I, I mean, this I dissension might have started a little bit before the break. But like pre-All-Star break, this guy was incredible and borderline all-star after the trade from Oakland. And now it's, you know, is he usable in the ninth inning? Maybe unfair for me to pin this all on Puck. I'm not pinning it all on Puck. I'm just saying he's kind of emblematic of where the Marlins have have slipped, I feel like. I mean, they're in a better spot if, you know, Puck doesn't hit a wall. And unfortunately, it was an injury. You have like a concrete date injury you know, struggles as he comes back from that IL stint. And it was like an elbow nerve issue. Then you have Andrew Nardi, who is pitching like one of the best relievers in baseball, another lefty for you. And he was leading the league or like top three in the league in appearances by the time he went down. And so not only do you lose a guy that's throwing the hell out of the ball, you're using him more than anybody. That happens right around the same time. And I think that's where you really saw the bullpen start to slide. And then you have the struggles of Sandy. Now he's finally coming to life, but it's like the rotation was barely fighting that off. And then the lineup. And I think that was the biggest thing, man. It's like, I think this team's going to fight around and they'll hang around and they, they they can play something close to 500 ball. Like I do think they're going to snap out of this ridiculously bad streak. Like Yuri Perez gets back on the seventh. That's obviously going to help them. Cueto somehow has been competent. They did just get Nardi back. They did add some power bats that should help. Jazz is playing once a week at least. That was more than before. I, I, I just feel like there's there's a way they can hang around. But look at the lineup, Jack. Like one through nine, even especially before Berger was added to this team and Josh Bell. But you look at this lineup one through nine. Is this a playoff, playoff lineup? No. no so I, I, I don't know. It's the second worst lineup in the National League. Like the Marlins have scored 460 runs. The Pirates have scored 457 runs. Like by runs scored, which is a pretty awesome stat when you're judging offense over a season, by runs scored, they are the second worst offense in the National League. And you had Jorge Soler playing out of his mind in the first half. Like Soler is a good ball player. I think he's proven that he's not as bad as he was in previous years, but that's not not your best play. That's not your power hitting like four hitter that you – pencil in every day and say oh he's gonna be so feared like no the pitchers execute their plan he's out like it's the thing is he doesn't miss the mistakes so for me it's like you'll get that lineup one through nine there's some really good players in there but that's not a playoff lineup and i, I every time i looked at the the box score or, or would look at like the lineup for any given day even when they were playing really well i think i said it on previous episodes it was so hard for me to take it seriously so just look at the names in the lineup. And I know there's more to it than that, but it's like you just look and you're like, no, nah, this this isn't it. <laughs> this this can't be a playoff lineup. No, it takes a good bit until you are a valued name in a lineup, I think. And I, I think a really good example of that is Jack Sawinski, where like, I you know, I was kind of doubting the consistent production from Sawinski because there was so much swing and miss there in the early goings. And, you know, there was a little bit of chase there, too. And. I was like, ah, oh, man, I just can't get around on, on Suwinski being the key cog in an offense. Now that has changed because he's given us 
four to five months of very productive offense. I think it takes four to five months. So there was really just nobody putting together a consistent four to five months of offense. Other than Arias. Other than Arias, but Arias was already an established hitter. Yeah, exactly. There's no unestablished guy that has established themselves this year, which is a tough spot to be in. Um, Arizona and Miami have both lost 16 of their last 21. Arizona's (laughs) lost eight of 10. Arizona's lost six in a row. The Diamondbacks are now a game and a half out of the final wildcard spot. They are one game over 500. With how exciting this team was in the front half of the season and how good Gallon is and, and how electrifying this offense can be, led by Corbin Carroll, they don't have the depth to do this right now. And I think that, I don't want to say we ignored it, but we almost gave them the benefit of the doubt, like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to figure it out. Dude, they really don't have consistent pitching outside of Gallon and Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kelly just got back, which Kelly is like a huge, gee, that's huge for them. Right. But I mean, R- Ryan Nelson is your three right now. Can't win a playoff it, the, series like that. We talk about no, no shot. Jack schedule disadvantage, right? Yes. Three fifths, three fifths of your rotation is almost a guaranteed schedule disadvantage right now with Brandon fought, who I think will be good in the long term, but just not right now. Brandon fought Ryan Nelson, Slade Ciccone. <sighs> Like that's just, you're probably losing the first five innings of those games. I'd say 75% of the time. Yeah. You're, you're like hoping for Zach Davies or Tommy Henry back potentially. But those guys like like, seven, I think. Yeah. Jameson going down really hurt. And I think that was like one of the guys that I think it's overlooked at how much mattered because of how much, he was kind of passed back and forth, triple A, big leagues. It was because other guys were just overperforming at the time. Dre Jameson would be their clear cut three right now, I think. Yeah, even in a, a five inning role, he's their clear cut three. I feel better about a Dre Jameson start than I do a Slade Jaconi, Brandon Fott, and Ryan Nelson start. I know Nelson has his flashes, but they don't have a third pitcher that you can really trust right now. And that's why I'm shocked that they weren't more active at the deadline because I think this team was good enough and is good enough to have been playing in the rental market. A Michael, yeah. you could justify a Michael Lorenzen. You could justify Vukovic and somebody else for a Michael Lorenzen on this team. Yeah. Because I think Lorenzen is enough to almost help push them in. That's how close I think they are. They needed just one more pitcher I really trust. And I think they could try to piece together four and five. They could have used Rich Hill, man. Rich Hill looks generation. <laughs> I mean, I think he would have helped. I trust uh, Rich Hill more than I trust Slade Chaconi. Yeah, I the six runs in the first inning and a third on Sunday night baseball begged begged to differ, but yeah, man, I mean it was just I don't it, it was a dormant de- I can't say it was a dormant deadline because they did get Seawald and like it's just a hard one to pallet for me. Seawald got bombed today too. I know, and, and like that's Unwalky. I liked that move. Yeah, I liked it too. I I thought they moved from a surplus and and they got a really solid closer in return. But man, I don't know. You needed starting pitching and you just didn't get starting pitching. The Angels got a lot. And the two teams in the American League that I want to highlight here in terms of sliders are are the Red Sox and the Angels. You want to talk pitching depth? The Red Sox have none of that. Like, I, I think we saw the writing on the wall here. And I mean, it's the, the writing is is coming to fruition. Lost four in a row, seven to 10. Bernardino still starting games. Like, you just can't get into a wild card situation like that. Yeah. I mean, 
it's they they can hold on to Whitlock coming back, Sale coming back, whatever that'll yeah. help. Story, but back. Paxton yeah. Paxton should have been traded. He's coming back down to earth already a little bit, yeah. and you hope he can stay healthy. But you know that's a big part of it too, which is another reason why I thought they should have traded him. Like he's a guy that has struggled with health, but um, Story needed more time in rehab, so that's going to take a while. And I think that the most telling thing with the Red Sox right now, because I do think that they have guys that can swing it, and there are reinforcements coming, is the fact that you have a, a, a interesting clubhouse dynamic right now. Verdugo has been benched like multiple times this year. I don't know what the whole deal is, but clearly there's some like frustrating aspects to it. You said you saw, um, you know, Cora kind of coming out and saying, Hey, this is as frustrating of a day I've had since I got here in 2018. That's wild to me. Cause this is a team that is overachieving in, in a lot of ways. I mean, no one thought that they'd be this good at this point. So how is everything boiling over the way it is? How are people so frustrated? To me, that sounds like a broken clubhouse. Yeah, and I don't want to say that this is close to the red situation, but I think you make a great point. Like, this team did not expect – we didn't expect this team to be there. I'm sure, like, the guys in the clubhouse will tell you, like, oh, we we totally expected to be in contention. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just Vegas had them at, what, 76 wins? I think so. Like, the baseball community just should not have expected the Boston Red Sox to be in wildcard contention. And now I think they're kind of showing their true colors here in, in terms of roster construction. Yeah, but, you know, I think they can hit. Like, I think they can hang around. I think the pitching is short, and we talked about it. Like, any team that's shy of pitching is going to, like, the, kind of expose themselves around now. I think this team is is struggling beyond the field, too. Like, I think it's compounding with other issues, it sounds like, which, you yeah. know, Verdugo wanted that extension before the year. Yeah, he, didn't he hasn't get gotten it. it. Then he gets trade rumors instead. And it's just I just find it interesting that, like, not that long after the trade rumors and him being available in deals – which was not that long after he asked for an extension and said, I love it here. We mm. made fun of him before the year about yeah. basically begging for an extension. Um, Put together a power. I find it interesting. Yeah. Like literally just like, here's what I do. Yeah. This is why ground ball rates don't matter. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like this is interesting where he allegedly gets to the ballpark late after the deadline and, and, and isn't thrilled about it, even though it was, you know, a, a week or so after not even a few days after. So it's not that coincidental to me. Yeah. Um, Angels, I don't know how to palette this. I feel really bad. <laughs> I feel really bad for Shohei. I do. Angels I are stand- seven out of the final wild card spot. Uh, they've lost six in a row. They haven't won since the deadline, and they bought so much, and there's just not a single win to show for it. That's well, brutal. Well, didn't Giolito shove for them in his first outing? No. <laughs> I, think it was the, I think it was the second one that he got obliterated. Or was it the second was like, one? Yeah, first one he was pedestrian, and then the second one it was ruthless. It was a murder of Giolito. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Yeah, first one was five. Such a Giolito line. Like this is what you traded for actually in the first start. Five and a third, six hits, three runs, two homers, one walk, five Ks. Yeah. That like that's the epitome of what you traded for actually. The next start was rough, but it was the Braves. The Braves bomb everybody. Nine runs and three and two thirds. That's what. That's the one I saw. Man. Um. Yeah, man, it's rough, but I stand by it though. They needed to try and they still need to try. And I will still consider them somewhat in the hunt uh, until they're literally eight games out. And, uh, and I will just all left. Yeah. Trot's coming back. Drury is Drury back in the lineup yet. Yeah. Right. Mm, I think so. And yeah, like, they, they could, they could do it. But then you see CJ Crone batting cleanup and you're like, uh, we we advocated for this team to buy. Like I, there, there's points. I see CJ Crone 
Mike Moustakis, and then like Mickey Moni. I know moniac has been playing well, but Mickey Moniak and Randall Gritchuk, and I'm like, we said these guys should buy, but I still stand by it. They should buy. <laughs> like yeah. this, this is what they should have done. But man, it's it's just going down in flames, kind of. They had to try it though. Well, and Silseth punching ten is very encouraging. I think I like him. Uh, totally, totally. I, I honestly have. I don't want to say like no concerns about the rotation because obviously I have concerns. Obviously I have concerns about the lineup and the bullpen too. But if you're running out Otani Detmers, who I'm still holding out hope is is a low three ZRA guy, even though I think it's in the low to mid fours right now. Uh, and then if Silsath looks good, man, I, I feel good about the depth here too. So I don't know. The Angels, I just don't want to chalk them up as, yep, they're showing their true colors right now because no. two months out and it's the Angels and I want to root for them to retain Otani. Here's the depressing thing. So Silsath like battled some injuries this year, and that's the only reason why we hadn't seen him up in the big leagues sooner. Like I think he's easily better than pretty much any prospect arm they have. Like Caden Dana is going to be good. Don't need to get into their system, but like, He's pretty much their most, most trustworthy arm that they have. And um, he's just been banged up. He put up really good numbers of points over the last couple of years through the minors and in spurts in the bigs. Yeah. There's a real chance that he puts up better numbers the rest of the way than Lucas Giolito. And, and if he does that, that's going to really hurt because it's like, oh, we traded Edgar Caro and Guy Bush for a guy that ended up not even being better than the guy we brought up from AAA. I think there's a legitimate chance Seth could be bad. There's a chance Seth hits a wall too. Like, I don't want to say that it's guaranteed he does better, but I think he's got arguably better stuff at this point. He's younger. I <laughs> There's a chance he's better than Giolito, which that, that means they have a lot to look at in terms of that trade, even though I still support it. I stand by it. No, Chance Silsev hits a wall. Chance Bryce Miller hits a wall too, but those two dealing on Sunday was very fun, and Seattle swept the Angels. So the Angels are sliding, jumping to the risers here to wrap. Starting the American League, Seattle is the one that you got to point to. We're going to do Seattle and Toronto in the American League here. Um, Seattle, man, like I'm in love with their pitching. And if Bryce Miller is punching 10 in that Angels lineup, I feel so good about this. And we know that he's fastball reliant. We know that fastball reliant guys can get hit and hit hard. But if you've got Miller and Kirby and Castillo and Gilbert going, I I mean, I feel so freaking good about this. And Brian Wu, too. Yeah, dude. But this is one, too, where the whole year it's the other side. It's not how are they doing this? It's how are they doing this? Why are this? they not doing this? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they not doing better? Right. That's a question you and I ask each other all the time. So this might be the other version of the cream rising to the top, because I, while I know that their offense has left a lot to be desired at points, we talk about scheduled advantages and disadvantages. I like their chances every single day in terms of the, the starting pitching department. Mm-hmm. If J-Rod and Teoscar play the way that they're capable of and Ty France as well, which all three of them have started to come alive, especially Teoscar and J-Rod, this team's always got a shot. They got a good starting pitcher and they've got enough offense when their guys are hitting. I'm buying what they're selling. I know Peter is. We don't need to speak for Peter. or We can speak for Peter, I should say. I, this is a good baseball team that might finally be coming alive. You know who has been playing exceptionally well as Cade Marlowe. And I'm not going to say like, oh, Cade Marlowe is the difference in the ALCS, but Marlowe offers a different dynamic to this lineup and maybe a, a breath of fresh air type. And Josh Rojas, who was just acquired in that seawall deal, is taking over for Colton Wong, and nobody could be worse than Colton Wong. Dominic Canzone was just their five-hitter on Sunday afternoon. Canzone offers yeah. a different wrinkle to that offense. So 
you know, yes, while these are not the sexiest names and while you would hope that these guys are performing better than they are, I mean, it's kind of fun to see they got an injection of life at the deadline, even though they gave away their closer. And oh, by the way, Andres Munoz happens to be freaking awesome at that closing thing. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good at that. He's another one of those just like freak dudes that just, I don't think anyone's going to be able to hit as long as he throws strikes. Yeah. Um, but I love the point you bring up about uh, the just the idea that Marlowe's kind of giving them a little spark plug. Because I know that they got good things from Kelnick in spurts. And overall, he was a productive baseball player for them. 1.5 F4 in 90 games, 33% K rate, but 11 homers, which is what you're really getting there. That's a 111 WRC plus. But Marlowe, and I don't know if it's going to sustain, but through this 13-game stretch, Marlowe doesn't strike out. He's actually walked as much as he struck out in 13 games. He puts the ball in play. He's fast. This guy had 25 bags in AAA, and he's just dynamic. So he's kind of that table setter. And I think instead, when this this offense was just going through so many dry spells where guys were striking out too much or chasing early in counts, and just it was like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Marlowe grinds out at bats, and I think has kind of given this team another wrinkle. So I like the point you bring up there. Look, I'm not saying he's going to have a better career than Kelnick. I'm not saying he's better than Kelnick over 100 games. But right now, I think he's – injected kind of exactly what they've needed when Kalnick was kind of going stale for them in that offense. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you, man. So uh, I thought that was a great injection of life in terms of Marlowe. And I, I think that that offense, while it's not going to be good down the stretch, it's going to be palatable. And the biggest thing that they can get is Julio Rodriguez, like figuring things out the slightest. And, and I think that he's well, starting to do so. JP Crawford, by the way, looks really good. Yeah, he's a streaky guy. So if you can get him timed up to streak well here, like that's perfect as well. The last thing I'll say is the Mariners were better from a record perspective by the end of last year. And we were excited about them. We knew that the offense wasn't where it was supposed to be. But like, hey, this team can make a little noise in the playoffs. What happened? Their offense stalled out against a really good pitching staff in the Astros. And we said, just wait till they upgrade that offense. Well, the offense might not be as upgraded as we had hoped, but the pitching is arguably better than it was last year. So this could still be the same team as last year, if not slightly better. That's a team that's always got a shot. And where's Robbie Ray, man? I mean, you just need Robbie Ray. But that's the thing. Like You replaced Robbie Ray with with Bryce Miller, basically. Feel good about that. Yeah. Toronto, the other team in the American League. And they ran into the Red Sox at the right time. Toronto just swept a weekend series in Boston. Um, They hold on to that final wild card spot there, two and a half ahead of the Mariners they've won six at ten I still have my concerns about Toronto I still have my concerns about the back of that rotation I'm wondering who the three is who the four is I feel you know great about what's up top both in the rotation and both in the lineup like I feel really good about that but you know Bichette was day-to-day this week and that just kind of sends a shiver through your spine I think while Toronto looks hot because they swept over the weekend this is a team that is probably susceptible to a hot Mariners team leapfrogging them. It's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be a fun showdown because I, I hear you. I definitely think they're they're susceptible. <laughs> they're not a perfect baseball team at all. Yeah, But they are getting better. I do think they're getting a little bit stronger as they go here. I, it sucks that you end up getting Bichette hurt, but 
dodge a bullet there. He's going to be back. They acquired some you know, reinforcements in the meantime. And you get Ryu back, who actually gave you a quality start. If I'm not mistaken, Kikuchi's been throwing pretty well of late. Bassett hasn't sucked. Barrios is looking like Jose Barrios again, by the way, uh, which is which is an interesting kind of just development overall. Manoa's Manoa, and that's going to be a problem for a, for a while. I don't know what the deal is. But you can almost phase Manoa out if Ryu is even a low fours guy. I feel better about the rotation than I did before. I know that's not saying much, but I do feel better. I feel better. I, I'm trying to find out exactly. Adding Hicks how, too? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm trying to find exactly how Barrios kind of recaptured this. I think it was with Tom House. I think Barrios spent a couple weeks this offseason with Tom House, and they ID'd like exactly how – Barrios was throwing the ball and like they broke down his mechanics at an incredibly high level. Interesting. And I, I know Walker just met with Tom house house. I saw that on, on his Instagram. So I want to talk to him about that. Tom house has his fingerprint on so many of the best big league arms in baseball. Um, yeah. And I want to know like what Tom house did to help Barrios because that guy yeah. is night and day so far this year. And if Barrios looks like this, for the next five years after this, I'd say that extension was worth it. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting is I think sometimes we talked about it with with Bellinger and and with, when we talked to Walker. Sometimes it's not about showing some guy something new. It's showing them what they had in the first place. Because a lot of times guys are really good out of the gate. Don't almost it comes so easy to them. They don't know how they had it. And then when you lose it, you don't quite know how to get back there because you even weren't totally sure how you had at it in the first place. Yeah. And I think Barrios is maybe just getting back to what he's always done and how he succeeded in the past. Uh, but then you look at Kikuchi too, by the way. Yeah. And last three starts, he's given up a total of two earned runs. And that comes against Baltimore, the Dodgers and Seattle. That's, that's impressive. If that can trend the right way, again, you, you're adding Ryu for depth. I feel as good as I felt. They added the bullpen reinforcements though. Like Vladdy's coming alive. The lineup looks good. I think we're going to get a good showdown here. I think this might be the best showdown. You have the National League, which it might be like hot potato. Nobody wants the final wild card spot unless it's the Cubs. Yeah. But I think with with this one, you're going to have two teams surging at the same time, and that's a lot of fun. Cubs are proving they might want that last wild card spot in the National League. And we're going to wrap with the Cubs here because they're – I don't want to say hot, but they've won seven to ten. And that's hot. It is hot. Um you know, they had a big series with Atlanta and, and the Cubs got a couple of huge wins against the Braves. And the fact that the offense showed up like that, how do you beat the Atlanta Braves? you got to outscore them. You're not going to stop that offense, yep. especially right now. Like I'm just looking yep. and Riley looks great now. The, the only oh problem God. for the Atlanta Braves was Austin Riley was 70% of what we know Austin Riley could be <laughs> pre-All-Star yeah. break. And now he looks he was like only pre- He was only kind of good. Right. It's like, oh, he's got a 750 OPS. What's wrong with him? And now it's, yeah. oh, my God, he's back. This lineup is flawless. The fact what, that, that they guy? the fact that they were manageable this weekend is great. The fact that the Cubs managed to take the series is incredible. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. You said, like, they might want this thing. I think they made it really clear 
that they wanted this thing the second they went and said it wasn't it wasn't we're not trading Bellinger to me that's not even telling me that you want this thing that's just telling me that hey you, you think you got a shot yeah. when they made that trade for Heimer Candelario we always yeah I think now it's almost been overused of like oh you know the team got the reinforcements and you know that was all they needed to galvanize them yeah. I don't think the Marlins were galvanized by an addition of David Roberts and I think you know they were probably felt good about it like oh nice we got a closer but that's not galvanizing the Cubs thought they were going to be disbanded at least two of their best players were going to be shipped out and instead not only did they find out that two of their best players are staying they also find out, hey, that guy that's playing out of his mind in Washington that hit really well against us in spurts, he, he's on our team now too. So we're we're keeping this together, and we just made it better. I, I think that lit a fire under that whole Cubs clubhouse, and I think they are really feeling like, hey, they believe on us in us up top. We're going to prove them right down here, and they're proving them right. Like I think that really worked. And Jamer was coming home too, which is fun. Cue yeah. up the Kanye and the Skylar Gray. Um, yeah. Quick trivia: Did I text you about this? Do you know what the Jamer Candelario trade was to get him away from Chicago? <laughs> away from Chicago? Yeah. Where'd he go? The fascinating trade: Chicago to Detroit at the deadline in sixteen. Deadline in sixteen to Detroit infield for for a prospect. Uh, no, Jamer had already made his debut with the Cubs. He no, went for, traded for or with or for a prospect with uh, a prospect traded with to, a prospect, to Detroit to Detroit Paredes little help traded with Isak Paredes. Yeah. For, I want to say Alex Avila, the catcher and Justin Wilson. Yeah. No Justin idea. Wilson that, that, and Alex Avila. No shot. I would have known that part of it, but yeah, that's, that's wild. Jamer and Isak um, Paredes, low A Isak Paredes, low A Isak Paredes. That guy's bounced around a little bit. That's that's fun. But I, again, like I really do think that that got them rolling. My question for you though is this: You have this team now that is swinging the bats, and I think that's a big part of it. Like they are really starting to swing the bats well. Uh, I think they're clicking on all cylinders. The bullpen's playing well, you know, pitching well. You have Xavier. Or, Sorry, Javier Assad starting to like throw all right too, and which Mark is interesting. Jr. It's fun seeing him one of the best out. pitchers in baseball. Yeah, that was that was insane. That was right. that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, I think he's fun, but like that was nuts. Are are you worried about their pitching at all? Like, obviously, Javier Assad is not one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. Um, so I look at the rotation. I'm like, is this going to hold up? No. I'm not sure. Like Drew Smiley's got a four seven. I'm just going down the probables. They, Tyone's pitching well of late. I don't Tyone know. His is, last start not. So you go Smiley, Tyone, Hendricks, who was just bombed on Friday night. And man, like I don't know if I feel great about it. Um, you got to presume a healthy Strowman. Yeah, it's a big week. They go to New York to play the Mets. They need to take care of business there. But then they go to Toronto next weekend. And then next Tuesday, they start, what, a couple games at home against the White Sox. And then they host Kansas City. So the schedule is light. I don't want to say there are trap games there, but, like, you got to take two or three from the Mets. You have to take one or three from Toronto in Toronto. you got to take one or two from the White Sox. I think the Mets and the White Sox ones, you have to. Like, have to, have to, have to. There's no doubt about that. Jays will be a fun test. Do you buy this? In the last five starts for Jamison Tyone, a 208 ERA. No. A 36 FIP. 
30 innings, 23 Ks, 10 walks. Are you buying this like continuing for Jamison Tyone? Uh, no. And <laughs> in the most boring answer ever, I also don't buy the like six and a half ERA he was putting up previously. So uh, shockingly enough, I think he's a mid threes guy. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's pretty good then, I guess. Um, yeah. This, this, does this team have enough pitching? That's basically my question because we're saying all these other teams don't have enough pitching. Well then, if nobody has enough pitching, then somebody has enough pitching. Yeah. Because so one team is gonna <laughs> one team is gonna have more than the rest. And is that the difference? Or is it another team that's just gonna slug their way there? Like, how is this last wild card spot going to be settled? I think in an in a 12-11 game on September 29th, <laughs> that's how it's gonna be yeah. settled. I yeah. mean, maybe a home run derby. Like my concern, okay, so you say pitching, I, I will specify. I say bullpen. Like, obviously, I don't feel great about Drew Smiley and, and a diminished Kyle Hendricks getting starts. But, dude, like, Adbert Alzali is the one guy that I really feel confident in coming out of that bullpen. And, and I know Leiter has been fine. But, man, like, I wish they made a big deadline move for a Jordan Hicks type, even though St. Louis wouldn't send him to Chicago. That's just not how that works. But, like, yeah. a Chafin, man, getting Chafin back, that would have been huge. But they didn't get Chafin back. He went to a division rival. So, I I don't know. I have concerns about them finishing off low-scoring games. I just don't yeah. know how many low-scoring games they're going to be in, and I don't know how many games the Reds are going to win or the Marlins are going to win or the Diamondbacks are going to win. Yeah. So here's my question for you. <laughs> we were clowning AJ Prower, but like you throw your tinfoil cap on. No. Did King Prower see this coming? Did he see the teams ahead of him and say, flawed, 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 flawed? I mean, I know the Giants have been playing a little bit better of, of late, but they've lost two in a row as we're recording this. Like they they're they look flawed to a degree too. They're trying to find some things, but he looks at Cincinnati, says no way that last. Looks at Miami, says no way that last. Looks at Arizona and says we can beat them. You know, we can catch them. We got more games against them. And all of a sudden, you're like, why would we sell? And now they're two and a half games out. I guess three by the time we finish recording this. And you know, they could get hot at any at any point. Who who do you think is its wild card spot to lose? I guess this third wild card spot. Which team would you say it's theirs to lose? As, as we record this, because technically it would be the Cubs by the standings. But on sheer talent, if it was just on paper, it, it would I think it would have to be the Padres, as dumb as that sounds, as shitty as they've looked. Like, on paper, I think it's the Padres. And there's a lot of ball games left and a lot of teams that aren't playing well besides the Cubs. So unless you're buying the Cubs thing, I think you can make a legitimate case for the Padres. So my thing is, Rich Hill... Three innings, six earned. He's got an ERA over five. G-Man Choi hitting a buck 90. He's playing first base for them now. Garrett Cooper is active on their bench. Like, things just don't feel great in San Diego right now. And you mentioned, like, looking ahead, it's, okay, flawed, 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 flawed. You get to San Diego, flawed. Like, you can keep on going there. They're not perfect. And I think Preller knows that they're not perfect. I think it's I think it's the Cubs to lose, and that might be some recency bias coming into play. Um, I would stack it as Cubs, Diamondbacks, Padres, Reds. Damn, Marlins all the way down there. Marlins at the bottom, I think. Oh, ah, even Yuri with Yuri back. back, yeah. Yeah, nah, dude. I, I don't, I don't think Yuri's gonna be perfect out of the gate. I'll be honest because that offense has no sex appeal. No, zero. 
Burger's been great and Bell's been great. That's the craziest part. Those guys have been swinging it since they came over. Um, and I'm glad Kim Ang made a move you know, for multi-year future instead of just all the chips on this one. I'll say this. I don't know what the injury situations are on Musgrove and Waka. I haven't checked in recently, and I don't know if they've even provided updates that recently. Both guys dealing with shoulder inflammation, so that could be weeks, that could be months. Like There's never an in-between with that. Yeah. But if they get those two guys back, I feel good about it. Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, even though he's not been great this year. Waka was awesome before the injury. And then you got that bullpen. You know what the what the lineup can do? Like, I don't want to say it's the Padres to lose because I feel like you almost get laughed at for that. Mm-hmm. But again, I look at the team, man, and like Garrett, Garrett Cooper's probably the guy that takes over that role for G-Match. Like, Cooper's been playing bad by his standards as like 750 LPS. Like, he's not, he's an upgrade for them. They got better by adding him as much as I hate to say that. They have, they have enough. Like even their holes are not that gaping to me. I think you could make a legitimate case that it's the Padres to lose. God, that would be, that'd be wild. I don't even know the right word. I guess wild, but no, man. They have Fernando Tatis and they have Juan Soto. There's, there's Kim's playing like an all star. Kim's playing like a first-team All-MLB guy. I mean, you look at the war yeah. numbers. I mean, this guy's playing like one of the better middle infielders in baseball. Hmm. Like, I just think they need one of a couple – like one of their super like, – just one of the several other superstars to really go nuts. Like, Soto's doing his thing. Machado or Xander. You know, Xander had a three-hit night, two-hit night, and then had another hit the other night. Like he might – he could go get hot at any moment. I just think if one of those guys really gets going, this team could get get rolling. If because, Sander gets right, they could be really dangerous. Yeah, but maybe it's the Cubs to lose. All I can say is it's definitely not the Marlins. It's definitely not the Reds. The D-backs, you could make a case, but they look really lost right now with not that many reinforcements coming. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Padres may settle in and say, hey, we, we're the be- one of the best teams in baseball talent-wise. It's like, let's figure this thing out. Man, or not. Reyes would we'll be see. insufferable. Oh my God. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I think I owe Cubs and I, I hear you. I just don't agree when you say Padres. So that's I it. don't think many people will, man. I get it. I get it. All right. Um, that's it today. Uh, again, Walker Bueller coming your way either later today or tomorrow, depending on uh, when we can hammer down with him. We're going to talk about throwing to John Rom. Uh, we're also going to talk about, Uh, The wild card chase a good bit, but you guys will hear from us again tomorrow. Just baseball show as always brought to you by BetMGM. Any link you need in the episode description, including alt.xyz, your card marketplace. Folks, talk to you tomorrow.